And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with AMB, your Ohio State podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined by my main man, Ari Wasserman. Ari, I just got back from Ohio State's Pro Day. Guess how fast my 40 time was? 19.6 seconds. <laughs> That's generous. Very generous of you. I appreciate it. No, I think I think it would be uh, un, unreported because my hamstrings would snap as soon as I came out of that stance, if I could even get in that stance in the first place. Okay, I've got a would you rather for you because I miss okay. you so much. Great. I mean, it's not really a would you rather. It's a it's a hypothetical. If somebody said you run the forty yard dash in eleven point five seconds or less, because you haven't ran a forty in I'm assuming years, so you have no idea what your time would actually be. Since my freshman year of high school, which was twenty years ago. And what was that? Uh like a five two, I think. Five two, five three. Okay. So maybe eleven seconds is bad. Let's rephrase. Somebody says you have 9.5 seconds to run this 40, and if you run it in nine and a half seconds, I will give you a million dollars in cash. But if you are slower, you will never walk again. Would you attempt it? <laughs> no. There's, I don't think I could do it. Nine and a half seconds is twice as slow as like the guys that are fast. Like I don't know. I honestly don't know how long it would. Chris, actually... Chris Olave is significantly more than twice as fast as I am. 
Yeah, I guess that. I guess. So so eleven was better. What if it was eleven point five? Maybe. I don't know. Like I I'm have no very, idea what my forty time slow. would be. Like if I, I like super slow. If I like stretched out, jogged on the treadmill for ten minutes and got loose, and actually went to a combine type atmosphere, put cleats on, and actually ran a forty, how fast it would be? Like would it be? Eight seconds, which is slow as shit, or would that be fast for somebody in my condition? Like I don't even like I can't contextualize a athlete who is a sprinter's forty versus like what a normal person runs. I'm looking up Rich Eisen's forty time because he does that. Uh, he does it every now and then. Yes, it says Eisen routinely finishes around six seconds. Now he might be because a second sure. is an eternity. Yeah, maybe I you could think, do nine seconds. I think you could do nine seconds. I don't know. It and also, like if your like ability to walk was on the line, your adrenaline would like make you faster. Maybe I'd have a hard time getting out of the blocks. I think I'm, I'm a very big "Would you do this for a money?" But if you don't succeed, you're going to pay major consequences. Type hypothetical question guy. Yeah. I've got another one involving a grain of sand in a bathtub. If you want to do it at the end, <laughs> maybe we'll pocket that. We'll pocket that for the end. After we talk about pro day, after we talk about spring football, okay. Um, after we do maybe a little bit of basketball talk uh, as well, since this is my first episode after getting back from Pittsburgh, where Ohio State lost in the NCAA tournament to Villanova. But uh, I think most people have transitioned, have moved on from that to football. Many people will probably already on football in the first place. <laughs> uh, so we'll, we'll talk mostly about football in this episode. Uh, and I want to talk a little bit about the – it was the pro day for Ohio State's 2022 draft class. Uh, but the star of the show was uh, Coleridge Bernard Stroud, the fourth or whatever number he has on the end there. Uh that man uh, threw it pretty well. Like we always make a lot about people throwing on pro days, and like I'm guilty of that too. Like it was, it was all eyes on CJ. It was like he was throwing to Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are going to be first round picks. It was CJ. This was CJ's first of two pro days. And it was. It pretty is cool. kind of an interesting thing because I do wonder how much pressure it would be because I do watch the. I saw Malik Willis's throw that everybody was talking about. Did you see that from Liberty? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like how much pressure there would actually be on you as a quarterback throwing and throwing and throwing in front of a hundred scouts, like judging every single thing that you do. Like that would be pretty pe- like pressure filled, right? I think so. Yeah. So for CJ, who's going to be in the NFL draft a year from now, to get an opportunity to do the same thing without the pressure, I think is a very fascinating opportunity. And we don't really talk about this much. And I've been to a hundred Ohio State pro days, but I don't recall the current quarterback throwing a lot. Is that like unique? So that's, it's, it's it's new. Uh, I was actually I was trying to figure this out when I was talking with some people there, and we couldn't figure out exactly when it changed. But there was a pro day a couple years ago. Remember, like Troy Smith had to come back and throw because you weren't allowed to have current players do it. And one of the first pro days I covered at Ohio State, there was a kid from Tiffin who came in through. That's right. Um, but but I don't know if it changed last year or or before that. But remember last year, like Chris and Garrett, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson were running routes for Justin Fields. Um, and then this year, CJ was throwing for for those guys. So I remember Troy Smith was doing it a few years. Yeah, yeah. It's like a it's a newish development. It's not something that's always been because that's a that's a hell of a sales pitch. Like honestly, like I know that you talk about recruiting and and all the things, and it's like there's a lot of bullshit in recruiting. Like I had a I had a um, somewhat of a disagreement with Mitch on Stars Matter this week about how important it is to have like celebrity fixtures and and professional famous fans like how much that matters for recruiting and i don't think it really does like lebron for ohio state and for instance like it's like it might enhance and visit but it's not a reason why somebody would ever pick you 
But if you said, hey, listen, we on average have 150 scouts a, a year at our pro day. And even before you're ready to be in the NFL, we will let you participate in it by aiding somebody who is working out. And these guys will see you. Like, there is a conversation to be had about, like, did C.J. Stroud improve his draft stock a year before he's in the draft? Like, and I think that's a fascinating discussion. I think he probably did. Like, I, I don't I don't know... I don't know NFL scouting well enough to know how far in advance they start doing that stuff. Like, if people have been watching C.J. Stroud already because he's going to be in the conversation for QB1 in the 2023 NFL draft, or if this was, like, the first time that these guys have even heard of him or, or let alone seen him, I, I, I honestly have no idea. Um, but they saw him today. So, like, if they weren't thinking about him, they're thinking about him now. And, like, after he was done throwing, um, it was it was funny. Like, it was, it was Chris and Garrett's – there were other receivers. It was Chris and Garrett – uh, Chris Booker, a uh, walk-on who played for the club football team. Demario McCall was doing stuff. Um, Master T was there as a running back. Actually, Tyreek Smith's, Smith's brother, Malik, who I think you talked to anywhere that's Yeah, I saw Tyreek that he was play. working out as a tight end uh, the yeah, last few months. A, What's going he's on a basketball. He was a basketball player in college, um, but he's I guess he's trying to give it a go in football, so he worked out as a tight end. So, like, all those guys were throwing, but CJ was the only one who threw for Chris and Garrett. Um, and it was like it was their show. The script was for them. It wasn't for CJ. But then at the end, um, they kind of started doing that. Uh, what do you call it? Like rollout stuff. The stuff that like Zach Wilson and Justin Fields are doing last year, and everyone went nuts. Uh, Ryan Day just said like to CJ Stroud, like, "Do you want to do this? Because we're just kind of here having fun now." And they did it. Um, and it was cool. Like he completed one throw, and he didn't complete the other one. But it, like it turned into like a CJ thing, which I thought was interesting. And then, then afterwards, he's talking to Lovey Smith. He's talking to Mike Rabel. Um, there were I don't know if it was the GM from the Texans who was also there, but there were two people from the Texans there. Lovey Smith was one of them, and like didn't leave CJ didn't leave CJ side. Um, and Mike Rabel wasn't wasn't you know too far away either. So there were only four head coaches there, but uh, all of them were paying very close attention to CJ Stroud, which I found very interesting that he was able to put himself in that position when he's not draft eligible for another year. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe this is an unfair question. And I remember last year when Justin Fields was going through his, he made that one back, like off his back foot throw for like 60 yards that everybody was circulating. Yes. Um, everybody has their one throw. Like Zach uh, Wilson had one last year. Uh, Malik what Malik Willis did this year. Willis, yeah. Did C.J. Stroud look comparable from a throwing standpoint to what you saw from Justin Fields last year? Yeah, well, like in I, terms I would of say like ability. I would say yes. That the difference being that like we weren't in there for Justin last year. We, we all watched that on TV because it was still COVID stuff and we weren't allowed in the building. Um, and this was different. Like I was like, I was standing on the sideline for the beginning of it, and then I was standing like two feet behind CJ for for a good chunk of it. So it, it's a much different vantage point. Um, but I would still say yes. Like he was, the ball jumped out of his hand with accuracy and touch and anticipation and grant like it's all on air like i understand that i'm not trying to make too much of it but it looked the way you want it to look when you're watching a guy who could be the first quarterback in the draft it seems like you're really like into this right now like i mean blown away almost i don't know am i misreading you here i'm not um i don't know if i'm blown away i i guess i i like understanding fully how good cj is and like the position that he was in there was still something kind of, you know, stark about the idea of because even Justin, for as awesome as he was, I don't think anyone ever really considered him 
as an option to be the first quarterback in the draft or the first overall pick in the draft. And he ended up being, what, the fourth quarterback in, in his draft last year mm-hmm. um, and was outside of the top ten. It's like well, just watching him throw and watching uh, everyone's eyes were trained on him. It was like, holy shit, this kid might be the number one pick in the draft next year. And, like, I don't, I don't know why that had never, like, really clicked with me before. And this was just like – it kind of like smacked you in the face a little bit, I thought, on, on Wednesday when we were watching him. Yeah. It's like we're six months removed from wondering whether he should have been benched. <laughs> I know. And maybe we're getting way like way ahead of ourselves. But that's, that's – I mean, it's what it, I mean, there's no it, question that he's going to be in the draft next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he actually I mean, said uh, – yeah. he said at one point, like, uh, yeah, this was good practice for next year. And then someone said to him, like, you know, you just announced your decision. He's like, man, no, I didn't. I was like, we don't have to pretend. Like, we know. Yeah. <laughs> also, he'd be like, okay – like, <laughs> yeah, he just doesn't. He didn't. He, he. We talked to him afterward for a little bit. And like, he didn't want to make it about himself, which like, I I appreciate it because it wasn't as much as it felt like CJ Stroud's pro day. It wasn't. Um, well, because but, how how impactful are pro days when you're talking about a person that everybody knows is going to be a first round pick? Also, I made a bet with a friend, and it was for a lot of money. And I need you to tell me if I'm going to be right. Okay. This because and it's pro day related, so we're not getting off track. This friend loves Chris Olave. And we were texting about how good he is, just informally, as friends do. And he said, and I said, he's not even going to be the highest, rate, uh, highest drafted player on his, or receiver on his own team, which is crazy, isn't it? Yep. And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, Garrett Wilson will get drafted first. And I don't know if he's arrogant. I don't know if he's an asshole. But he bet me $300 that Chris Olave would be Ohio State's first receiver taken. Even money. Am I like in any danger of losing? I don't think so. I think I think Chris Olave is is definitely the kind of person a team can fall in love with just because of like what he's How about. How fast and, he and, was and everything. And on yeah. top of that, he's a, he's an excellent football player. Great teeth. Um, yeah. Great teeth. Good smile. Yeah, million dollar smile. Um, but I would be pretty surprised if he went before Garrett. Like I think there's a. Garrett is not the consensus number one receiver in the draft. I kind of think he should be. Uh, but I don't think Chris is in that conversation. It's like people like Garrett Wilson, people like Traylon Burks, or maybe Jameson Williams. Getting my hair cut today, Landis. And I was at boardroom. You ever get your hair cut at boardroom? Do they have them in Ohio? No. Oh, I don't know, but I never got my hair it's cut. It's like there. this like sleek haircut place that you go in. It has wood panel walls, and you can drink whiskey and whatever. It's an overpriced haircut. But Toughest <laughs> Fade is back. I'm going to Vegas this weekend, ready to party. Um, Looks great. But I was sitting in the waiting room, and a graphic came up. Best wide receivers in the 2022 NFL Draft by Matt Miller. Number one, Drake London. Number two, Jamison Williams. Number three, Garrett Wilson. Number four, Chris Olave. And number five, Burks. Mm. Is that odd? Like, I, I took a picture of it and sent it to my friend who I gambled with. But, like, I was surprised that either of the first two were ahead of Ohio State's. They're bigger guys. I don't, maybe that has something to do with it. And I'm not going to pretend like I'm not. I'm not a scout. And like I've I mean, while I've watched, are. while I've watched Drake London and Jamison Williams and Traylon Burks play, like I have not watched them nearly as much as I've watched Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. So um, I think Garrett's the best. Um, I actually, like I said, I'm a little surprised it's even a little. It's even as much of a conversation as it is. But um, they're bigger body guys. So, but we live in a world where I guess he's I can be the third that. receiver taken in this draft. Mm-hmm. But I saw Mel Kuyper's most recent mock draft, and they had him going to the Falcons at number eight, I think. Yeah, he's definitely in, in some top ten projections. Your boy your boy over here is uh, crossing his fingers that he falls with the birds, but I don't think that's going to happen. 
Olave. By or the Wilson? way, well, either one be great, but Garrett well, Olave is the one that Kuiper had to the birds. Yeah, I think they'll be in, in, actually in a spot to to draft him. Um, I Garrett Wilson did like a group interview, and I didn't. I wasn't over there because I was talking to somebody else. But uh, I was talking. There was an Eagles beat writer there, uh, and I was talking with him, and he said that Garrett Wilson told him that he was an Eagles fan. So more points for Garrett. Were you and sweating? He said, he, he said he was an Eagles. He was an Eagles fan for the best reason because his dad's a Cowboys fan, and he wanted to piss his dad off. He didn't say it that that directly. Those are my words. Don't most was, kids root exactly for who their dad rooted for? Like yeah, ninety percent of the time. I don't know why I would want to piss my dad off. I did that enough naturally. Just like annoy, just like yeah. annoy. I mean, it'd be like a little thorn in their uh, side, you know. Especially when it's the Cowboys. Was the Eagles writer uh, one of the co-hosts of Birds with Friends? No, uh, that's this the greatest is... podcast title in the history of podcasts. Yeah, it's pretty great. I think ours is pretty good, but that's that's better. Ours is ours is a thinker. Ours is There's... a niche that people who are obsessed with Ohio State fans will get. But like, if you're not, or if you're an obsessive Ohio State fan, you would understand it. But I think that most people don't get it. Yes, I which think that's might right. be a problem. That's okay. Sorry, right. we, 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 we not, not good for SEO, but. We appreciate we appreciate every single one of you who listen to this episode. Thank you so much. Leave a five star review on Apple. We appreciate I'd it. Probably go as far as to say I love you. Yeah, we love you. Subscribe to the Athletic, theathletic.com slash four six. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are going to be first rounders. They're very good at pro days. You'd expect them to be. Um, I thought like Thayer Munford had a very good pro day. And then afterward, some people kind of reinforced that for me who know what they're talking about more than I do, uh, which I thought was very important for him because I thought he had a not very good NFL combine and like, was in a little bit of a danger zone there following that combine because I, I thought he did not have a good day at all there. And I don't I don't want to say like he was – he wasn't undraftable based off how he performed at the combine, but it was pretty clunky, a pretty clunky performance, I thought. And, and But pro day was like way different. Um, he was super fluid. He actually looked like he was in much better shape uh, at, pro, at High State's pro day than he looked like he was at, at the combine. Um, and I think – Maybe more than anybody. Maybe aside from C.J. Stroud, I guess. Uh, probably helped himself more than anybody. Um, but I'm still very interested to see where that ultimately puts him because I think he's probably a guard. Um, but his swing ability helps him. But this is a guy who like, I thought might have had like first-round potential a couple of years ago. Um, I'm not so sure that moving to guard was tremendously beneficial for him last year, but it might pay off for him down the road if I think he's going to play guard in the NFL. So when you look at the combine, it's like, to me, like the draft is kind of annoying. Um, 
Landis and I are in a few fantasy, or we're in a fantasy football league together, and we both have a, uh, he introduced me to a card collecting addiction where I'm spending a lot of money. Um, That's right. So we talk a lot about like prospects and values of cards and all sorts of things. And maybe on the end of the podcast, you can tell people about the hit and the break I got the other night. <laughs> but what, so the, the the draft process kind of annoys me though, because sometimes I feel like it's too much of the, it's like, what's the saying? Paralysis by analysis. Yep. Where it's just like, there's so much shit, there's so much information. There's so many different performances. You got a combine, you got a pro day. And it's like, how do NFL scouts, in your opinion, like view pro day as it relates to the combine. Cause to me, if the person performed better at pro day and it was after the combine, <coughs> excuse me, I would take that more seriously. Cause I think- more times past they've gotten better. The most recent, the most recent example of your performance should be the one that we use the most. Right. Yeah. I think, um, Garrett Wilson's dad was doing an interview and I was just like, he was doing a TV interview and I was just eavesdropping on it. Um, and he said something to the effect of like, there's much more pressure at the NFL combine than there is at a pro day. So um, I'm, I'm sure that NFL teams take that into account in a sense where like, if you really blow people away at the combine, that probably says a little something because of just, you know, the stage and mm-hmm. kind of what's at stake there. It's more about, it's um, more about like being able to perform when you're expected to more than it is the actual numbers. Maybe. Yeah, I think that I think that's right, but but then I also think too, and, and maybe because of that, you maybe it might inherently think a little less of a, of an on campus pro day when you're in a more comfortable environment. But I also think there's something to be said for someone like Thayer Munford, who did not have a particularly good combine, but seemed to put in a lot of work in the month since then to make sure that he had a good pro day, and I think he did that. So I think that will benefit him too. So um, there's probably not one way to look at it, but I I do I just, think I just want I think, to know like how a scout looks at it. Or if it's different case by case, everybody's different. But it's just like yeah, it might be, I'm sure it's different. I don't case know. By They're case. doing all the same shit. And like, how does an offensive line have a great pro day? Like, what is it like? Burst off the line of scrimmage, great footwork. Like, what do you look like? What was it about the way that he performed that you're like, wow, he's doing really well today? Just fluidity of movement. I thought he looked very stiff at the combine, um, and it did not look that way on on Wednesday in the what he, when we were watching him. Now, like he's. He's hitting sleds. He's hitting pads. Like he's not actually blocking somebody. He's not like running through trash to try to pull and make sure he gets to his block. Like it's not. It's not football. I think you're just you're more or less taking inventory of of movement ability more more than anything else. And and I thought that Thayer, who throughout his career because he's had some injuries, at times has maybe not always moved as as fluidly as you'd like a guy who was as talented and productive as he was to move when you're trying to project him to the pro level. But um, I thought if people had questions about that or were interested in seeing him take a step forward in that regard, he, he showed a little something. He showed another level uh, with his pro day performance. Now it doesn't mean he's going to be a first round pick. I think he's probably more like, like a third or fourth round pick. Um, but coming out of the combine, I would have been like, man, he might be like a fifth round pick. So um, I think it was good. It, he, need, he He needed it. I think, and he seemed to perform as if he knew that he needed it and then seemed pretty happy with his performance afterwards. So it was, it was just, it was nice to see him kind of bounce back that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who else? Master Teague like annihilated athletic testing. I don't, I don't have all the numbers. I, I, uh, I was trying to time for, we were all, you know, where they stick you with pro day. They put you in the corner, like away from everything. 
So we're like, we're over there like trying to time the 40s up, but like we're not in a good vantage point to do so. So we're always off by a little bit. But I would guess that Master Teague's 40 time was like in the low 4.4s. Four um, and I know that in the past he's tested at Ohio State and been in the high 4.3s. But then his broad jump was 10.11, which is the, would have been the best broad jump of any running back at the combine had he gone. So, and, and like you look at the guy, like he's walking around with a shirt off. He looks like a Greek god. Like it's not surprising that he would do that stuff, but. He didn't have a chance to do it at the Combine. Frankly, he doesn't have a ton of film from last year. Um, and, like, the film that he does have is, is like, a lot of it's, like, in a backup role, so I don't even know how valuable that is to, to NFL teams. But on traits alone, I, I find it very hard to believe that Master Teague is not going to get a shot. Like, I don't I don't know if he's going to get drafted, but he's definitely going to be in a camp, and he's definitely going to get a shot to make a roster. And I think <laughs> Like we always said him, about him, he strikes me as somebody who's just going to be on a roster. You know who he's going to re- – who kind of reminds me of? Or, like, not, like – as he as he is a player, but just like a career path is kind of like how Rod Smith stuck around in the NFL, like on an active roster for five years. Yeah, and that's I mean that's four years, and you get the pension, which is like, listen, man, if you're if you're in the league for four years, you get that league pension, you did it. As, as far as I'm concerned, like obviously there's much more you can attain uh, as a professional athlete, and a professional football player, but if you can hang in that league for four years and get that pension, that that is a mighty fine accomplishment in my book, and and I think. Uh, I think Master T's got that ability. And you have to be on an active roster, don't you? That I don't know. I, I think so. I, I, I think I think that's the case. I, well, I think if you're on the practice squad, I think that counts. Yeah. But I, I could be wrong on that. I, I mean, the guy is an animal. So I, I, he didn't. it didn't translate into a dynamic Ohio State career. But the it, NFL it draft to me is always about potential and measurables more so than tape. And maybe I'm just talking out of turn there. But it always seems that it's like Justin Fields going where he went in the draft last year, I think, was about other stuff that had nothing to do with how good he was on tape. So there's people overthinking it, I think. Yeah. Like, what if Zach Wilson just sucks forever now? (laughs) It's like, what are we doing? Like, I just don't understand. I just I just don't get it. The only person I would have taken over Justin Fields at the quarterback position last year was Justin Fields. What did I just say? I think I might you have had Trevor a stroke. Lawrence. The only person I would have taken over Justin Fields is Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, what did I say? You said the only person you take over Justin Fields is Justin Fields. <laughs> the only person I would take over Justin Fields is Trevor Lawrence. Um, and even then, I thought, like, in that playoff game, who looked better to you? Like, And I'm not saying that Trevor Lawrence isn't a better... I am very high on Justin Fields, and not just because I have a card that could be worth $63,000 one day. Yeah, I already pulled a, pulled a banger the other night. I've only spent like 3000 bucks on breaks the last two months, uh, but I finally hit uh, – I got the Bears, and I hit a Justin Fields card that's out of 21 that somebody offered me $4,000 for right out, out of the gate. Uh, for so, a card that doesn't even exist yet. You got I don't a even have the card. I got a yeah. redemption. Um, yeah. And I said no because what fun would that be? Play the long game, man. Pay 36 bucks for the card. I'm going to get that thing PSA 10, and I'm going to ship it off to somebody in three years when he's playing in the Super Bowl for 64000 bucks. There you go. That's a car where I come from. Nothing wrong with that. Three cars. If we're going by the Hyundai you were driving when we first met. <laughs> maybe four. Yeah. Maybe listen, five. That, Hell, that maybe car, six. That, that car was free, all right? If it's free, it's for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it just like seems to me that, like, a lot of this stuff, too, is just, like, there's more focus on, like, what happened in the building today than, like, what happens on the field on Saturdays. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I think that's probably a misnomer. Like, we, we tend to get excited about pro days, and I think they are important, and the combine is important, but I don't think any of it trumps what people watch on film 
or what people get to see in private workouts or what people get to learn about guys when they get them in meeting rooms and talk about stuff and get them on the, the grease board and draw stuff up. Like, I think, I think all that stuff matters a little more. Um, but you also want to see like, you want to watch film and see that a guy plays fast and then watch him in an athletic testing situation and make sure that that matches up with what you think you saw too. So, um, and I think, I think by and large, I think Ohio state's guys on Wednesday had pretty good. I actually thought like Antoine Jackson was moving really well. I don't know what the NFL thinks of him, but I was, I was like kind of blown away a little bit by how, by how well he moved. Um, Jeremy Rucker was there. Didn't do anything. He was in a walking boot. He injured his foot at the senior bowl. Didn't do the combine. Didn't do pro day. I honestly don't know if he's going to be able to do any workouts before the draft, which kind of stinks for him because I thought uh, he had a chance to be like a real riser in this in this draft, probably more than anyone else in the class, uh, or in Ohio State's class anyway. But what are people um, thinking for him draft position-wise? Is he going to dip in like the fifth round now as a result of this? No, no. I still think he's a top 100 pick. Um, but I think had he been able to do the full senior bowl practice week and then do at least the combine – if not the combine and pro day, he could be tight end one. And I don't, I don't think he's going to be that now, just because teams aren't going to be able to see them, see him, other than on film um, before the draft, which is unfortunate for him. But I still think he's going to be a really good pro. I think again, I think he'll, I think we said before, like I think he's going to be a better pro than he was, or more productive pro than he was a college player. Yeah, which seems to be uh, a tendency at his position. Yeah, right. Um, Demario McCall was out there. First round. That pick. was cool to see. What's that? Was he playing? Was he corner or was he was he running routes this time? He didn't do any. He didn't do any defensive back stuff. He was doing. I'm really uh, shocked to hear that because he's not a defensive back. Well, I thought I thought he would just try to do everything, but he would have also only been he would have been the only defensive back there. So maybe that was kind of weird for him. Um, maybe if he ever gets a workout with a team, he would do do that. But I don't know if that would happen for him. But yeah, he looked. You know, Demario looks good when he's running routes and catching the ball and just running around like he's. Is Demario an undrafted free agent, or is he a no NFL opportunity guy? I think he'll get a shot. I think I think he'll. I don't think he's not going to get drafted, but I think he'll, I think he'll get a shot at making a team. Again, I don't know what kind of role that is. Is he? Maybe a team will look at him as like he's he's not going to be like a top of the line offensive option, and then is he not big enough to be a? you know, reliable special teams guy. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but he did a lot at Ohio state. Like he, he never, he never had the role that we thought he would have, but he like kind of wore a lot of hats at Ohio state, um, which could help him. I don't know. I'm interested to see where that goes. I think he's a, he's a good football player. He just never, it didn't work out here for him. Unfortunately, I would have liked to see it, but it was still nice to see him out there, out there for pro day and kind of getting a shot. Um, Chris Booker was there, as I mentioned, Tyreek Smith, Worked out. Um, didn't do any of the testing stuff. Just kind of did defensive line drills. Nicholas Petit Frere just did offensive line drills. Um, seemed to have a good day again. I think he had an okay combine. He he might be. Uh, I think he'd be a second round pick. He's another guy who I thought maybe could be a first round pick, but I think you think he's more likely a second or third round pick. Um, there was a kid from Ohio Dominican there too who was working out the receivers, but that was kind of it. It was a. It was a lighter attended pro day in terms of like head coaches than I think I was I'm accustomed to seeing at Ohio State. There was only four NFL head coaches there. And I feel like typically there's been more than that in the past. But I also like Matt Corral's pro day was today, so maybe a lot of them were there. Um but next year, man, CJ Stroud's actual pro day. I think the I think that it's just a very quarterback driven thing. Yeah, which is why <clears throat> CJ Stroud Pro Day Part Two is gonna be a zoo. They might not even let the media in the building because there's gonna be so many people there watching him. 
It's too bad Quinn Ewers wasn't there to throw. That would have been interesting. They should have let Kyle McCord spin it a little bit. Get the, you know, give us something to talk about here in the spring. He was there. He was hanging out. Are you writing off of Pro Day? No. No, I was like, uh, we have a live blog on The Athletic. If people like are interested in following this stuff, um, it's there on the NFL page, theathletic.com slash 4-6. And I was like sending some stuff to NFL Raiders about like which coaches and GMs were there, like who was talking to who. Luffy Smith was talking to Jack Sawyer like they were best friends. Like I have no, I have no idea what the connection is there. But like Jack Sawyer walked right up to Luffy Smith and like they shook hands and it was like they've known each other for years. Um, which I can't, I can't really figure out because I don't even think – I guess Lovey maybe could have like offered him or something when he was at Illinois, but um, that's probably what it was. Yeah, I was just like, how the hell did these two know each other? I was just gonna say, like, they probably <laughs> literally recruited him. Like, what? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> I guess that makes. I guess that makes sense. It was still kind of weird to see. I was, I was waiting for the dots to connect there. Yeah. <laughs> it was still, it's so funny because Lovey Smith was the head coach at Illinois for like five years, and that that entire era is like completely erased from my brain. I don't remember a damn thing from it. I think yeah. Ohio State might have played him twice. I don't. I, it's like, I, honestly, it was no fine. Idea. You know, it was just Illinois. I remember going to – I've been to Champaign. I've covered Ohio State eight years. I've been to Champaign once. And it was windy as hell. Yeah. Is Champaign the place where they have Big Ten ice cream? No, that was Maryland. Maryland has Big Ten ice cream? Yeah, we had like a post about it on Cleveland.com. Oh. oh yeah. I, thought, I, thought that, uh, I thought that Illinois had some ice cream treats. Maybe it was something else. They might have. I honestly, I don't remember anything. I remember being there and that it was windy. Don't remember the game. And I don't remember much of the Lovey Smith era at yeah. Illinois. And that's it. But, and now he's the head coach of the Texans. He was also, did you know that he coached Ohio State? No. I didn't either. Maybe I should have known was that. It like 1984 or something? Like, I don't. It was in, in a, I think this is right. In a row. Their defensive backs, I might have these in the wrong order, but in a row, their defensive backs coaches were Pete Carroll, Nick Saban, Lovey Smith. I did not know that. I knew <laughs> Pete Carroll wild, coached right? at Ohio State. I knew that Pete Carroll coached here, obviously, that Nick Saban coached here. I did not know that Lovey Smith coached here. I did not know they all coached in like succession, which I, I think is right. Maybe I have that wrong, but if it wasn't in direct succession, it was, it was close to each other. Um, it's like Earl Bruce, man. Earl Bruce knew how to hire him. Sure did. Yeah. Good for him. It's so funny if you go back and look at like all the head coaches in the NFL right now, and most of the head coaches in college football, if you like, go back and look like twenty years before, it's like, oh, there's a grad assistant at whatever powerhouse program exists now. It's like, did you know that Nick Saban coached at Georgia in 1964? No, I didn't, but probably. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's been everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ohio State is in its its second week of spring practice. They were they went for a week. They were on spring break last week. They're back. Uh, their third practice was on Tuesday. They'll go again on Thursday, and I believe on Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we get to watch a little bit of practice on Tuesday, talk to Ryan Day afterward. We'll talk to offense or defensive linemen, excuse me, on Thursday, which we're recording this beforehand, obviously, so we won't have much of in the way of intel from that. But Ryan Day on Tuesday spoke in – very glowing terms about two defensive linemen who I and I'm sure a lot of people are very interested in uh, this spring. Tyleek Williams and JT Tuimolowau. Which of those two guys interest you more? JT because he's a five-star. What are we doing here? Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> well, know. I mean, I'm, I'm more interested in where like Tyleek went. So that was... I think that's funny. It's like I like the show Unsolved Mysteries, and I feel like that could have been a segment. 
<laughs> the way Ryan Day described it, it was just like he didn't he didn't have the the conditioning to play more than a player or two at the level that they wanted him to be playing at to keep him out there. Um, I'm interested to hear Tyleek's side of that when we talk to him, which will be for the first time. Uh, we've not talked to him since he's been here uh, on Thursday, so I'm interested in that. But that was kind of like he was a 330-pound kid, um, probably had to come and change his body a little bit. Uh, but, man, I thought like he he really flashed last year, and then it was just like, where the hell did he go? It's like he's usually a guy flashes that way, even if it's against Akron and Tulsa or whoever it was against. You see an uptick in his playing time, and it just didn't happen for him, which I thought was a little weird. Um, I want to find what Ryan Day – said about him but oh he said that Tyleek Williams who again is 300 he's 300 plus pounds now was 330 last year was probably close to that when they tested him for the first time he said Tyleek Williams has among the best 10 yard split times on the team and on more than one occasion said that Tyleek Williams is among the best athletes on the team so he's just saying Davis is that what I'm hearing just saying Saying a whole lot <laughs> with some of the guys at Ohio State. Has what do you mean on the team? Like faster than skill position players? Not a faster 10-yard split. No, I know, but the, that's the yeah. most ex- important measure for a defensive lineman, isn't it? That's the yes. one where they're in the trenches going back and forth with their knees bent. Yeah. Here, I'm going to – can I read a quote? Can I read the quote to you? Yeah, read the quote. <clears throat> it's a little long, so bear with me. Ryan Day said, I think the difference now is he's in much better shape than he was before. That's what usually happens with defensive tackles. His body is very different. Uh, He can play for an extended period of time. When he first got here, he'd flash for one or two plays, and you always saw his athleticism. He's tremendously athletic, one of the better athletes we have on our team, believe it or not. From zero to ten yards, he has one of our better times, and we have some really good athletes. But it's his ability to sustain. That's what he's gotten much better at. Um, And then – he was asked a follow-up question, and he just said, he's a very good athlete. You see that on film. So, like, I, w- I was in a position where I would want to buy a little Tyleek Williams stock before that because I, I, I likewise saw a lot in his flashes last year, but it's like Ryan Day saying that stuff. I don't know. Yeah, and if he's noticing it to that degree, then that means that he's disruptive. Yeah, and he said it too. Um, Sometimes I think we can read too much into this stuff, but like Tuesday was their first day in pads. And like they really got to hit and like actually play football for the first time in a while. And it's like Ryan Day came immediately off the field and was like, I want to talk about that. Ty- he was asked about him directly, but it's like, I got some things to say about Tyleek Williams coming, coming off their first pattern practice of the spring. I thought like, Oh, that might mean something. I don't know. Uh, when we watched him like go through drills, he was like, not first up. It was still Jerron cage and Teron Vincent, but, and they'll rotate there, but Tyler Williams is a guy who played like ten snaps a game last year, probably on average, maybe maybe a dozen snaps a game on average. Um, if he's like a thirty forty snap a game guy next year, I don't think I'd be surprised by that. And the way that they're describing him, it's like maybe he should be that. Is Ohio State still soft <laughs> after they hit? <laughs> I don't know. There was no no. Uh, no reports on on a uh, softness uh, coming out of the practice. Everyone everyone seemed to think it was a solid practice, but I don't think I don't think they come out and say like, "Hey, man, we were soft as shit today." I don't. No, I, don't I do. Know. No, I'm just kidding. But it does seem like if he's a stud, that helps that thought. You know, and, you know, I was kidding a little bit, but you know, the idea of, I mean, I guess Jordan Davis is on Ohio State's defensive line now. That's what I'm hearing. Like During size the press conference. and athleticism, like according to him, like that's exactly describing like what Jordan Davis is 
does, right? Yeah, Jordan Davis is six six, and Tyler yeah. Williams is probably a little more like six three. Um, but he's like he's out there. He's, like, he looks different. He looks different than everyone else on the on the defensive line. Um, and actually, in a follow up question about Tyler Williams, our good friend Doug Maurice actually invoked the name of Jordan Davis. So, um, We're I'm not there. I'm not there. That's 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 a lot. Because um, Jordan Davis is going to be like a top. 20 pick probably Ohio State was, hasn't had a Jordan Davis like in 10 15 years ever yeah ever <laughs> not I, I they've had really good defensive line I mean Jonathan Hankins is really really agile yeah it, it's been they've not had a guy I don't think they've had a guy at defensive tackle who is that big and moves that well and was described in these kind of terms as far as athletic ability goes at least since I've been covering the team there have been there have been freaks. No, like you no hear that? At, at different positions. Do you hear that noise? I think the hype machine's going off. Yeah, well, I mean it's springtime, so it has, it's, yeah. this is the time. This <laughs> is the time when when the hype machine get, really gets rolling because you know you can just throw shit against the wall and then look back six months down the road and see how how much you actually got right. That the answer is usually not very much, um, but it's fun to talk about now. Well, I mean, uh, it, yeah. I do remember. I mean, like Ryan Day didn't really gush a lot. He is not, yeah. I don't. Urban was hyperbolic. Ryan Day doesn't do that. Ryan Day is not hyperbolic. I think Ryan Day is almost deliberately at times, like deliberately avoids gushing too much about players. But he he gushed pretty hard about three guys on Tuesday, and it was Tyleek Williams, it was JT Tuimolowell, and it was Marvin Harrison Jr. So okay, take us through JT then. We'll just we'll just go down the list. JT, it was just like. Honestly, probably stuff you and I have talked about before. It's like the guy showed up in July and was like ready to play. <laughs> no, nobody does that. It's like tip. I think ninety five percent of players who would show up at the time that JT Tuimolowau showed up like probably wouldn't play at all. They probably almost have a redshirt year. And like he was on the field on the first game and played like almost three hundred snaps last year. And Ryan Day was like, "That's kind of crazy <laughs> that he that he showed up ready to do that." He said we even told his parents when we were recruiting him like. If you show up at this time, it's going to be really hard for you to get on the field. And then JT was like, "Whatever, man, put me on the field because they had to." Like, he, and I, I suppose you could say that says a little something about who was already here in front of him, and, and it does. But it also says a whole lot about him that he showed up one physically ready to play, two with the mental capacity that like it wasn't too much for him to handle. And like, I think it just makes you really excited about what he can be because now he has you want to a envision full, a world where. Tyleek Williams is a hit. Jack Sawyer becomes a hit, and he takes that next step. JT does uh, physically. Yeah, I yeah. mean that's a that's a that's a national championship defensive line. Yeah, no, I think you're I think you're right. You want to if you, I guess that's probably the best way to say it. Like if you want if you want to see Ohio State get back to a place where its defensive line is controlling games, which you've seen here quite a bit. Didn't see it last year. Um, saw it times a year before. Certainly saw it in 2019. If you want to see Ohio State get back to that place, I think there's a decent amount right now that should make you feel pretty good about that. Uh, and I'd probably start with JT, but certainly Tyleek, Jack, whatever Zach Harrison give you coming back. Um, and they've got some exciting young guys coming in too. So I saw what is that little eye roll there. This is an audio medium. Was that what that was? Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to see what your reaction to that would be. Um, 
Well, I didn't know if you were saying that for me or if you actually believed it. No, like, I get it. I, I, yeah. I understand I understand the sentiment. It's like, we want to see new people, please. Like, I get that. Yeah, people helping um, people. People helping people. But it's funny because when you said that he, he was basically ready to play when he showed up, it sounds like something you would say about Marvin Harrison, too. Yes. Um, which was the case. Like, Ryan Day was pretty... Uh, I don't know what the word is, bullish, I guess, on Marvin Harrison Jr. last year when he said, like, Marvin showed up here, like, yoked. We had no idea he would be, like, this physically ready to play. He's he's changed his body so much before he got here. Um, he's just, like, I think maybe with a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr., obviously because of his name and who his father is, and his father was an NFL Hall of Famer, that you might assume some things about him in terms of, like, how much how much is this guy, like, willing to put in to be great? Um, or if he just like assumes it'll come to him because of who he is and where he comes from. And I think he's impressed a lot of people with his willingness to like put in the work to become that kind of player, not just like expected to be handed to him. Um, so I think, I think he like his demeanor has impressed people, but more to the point, it's like the fact that he's six, four, 200 and probably I don't know, 10, 215 pounds, like really well put together and is also super technically proficient. It's like he's physical profile combined with skill set. This is not the, like you don't see this guy very often here. They All right, I'm going to say like something that. and you're going to need to knock me down a peg if I'm high. Okay. Okay. High in the drug sense, not high on the peg sense. Um, I, I, <laughs> thought that Marvin Harrison in the limited window of which we saw him, which was in the spring game last year and in the Rose Bowl and, you know, in and out during the regular season, was comparable and reminded me of what Noah Brown looked like at Ohio State when he was at his best. And, like, Noah Brown is still in the league. And, like, that's what I thought Marvin Harrison was last year. And, like, Noah Brown, the year that he caught four touchdowns at Oklahoma, probably would not have seen the field much on last year's team because he wouldn't have been nearly as good as the ones who were on the field. But, like, if that was Noah Brown as a freshman, like, am I insane? No, I don't think that's insane. I think you're you're setting the bar a little too low. <laughs> no, I mean, Noah Brown was a very productive receiver in year three at Ohio State. And I'm saying that's what Marvin Harrison was like the second he got on campus. Yeah, I get that. And, like, there's – I think they're they're not quite built the same, but Noah Brown was, like, a very big-body receiver. He was actually – he was, like, a running back. They moved the receiver, like a taller running back who, who got moved the receiver. Um, but he had, like, a lower center of gravity. Like, Marvin Harrison Jr. looks like he was built in a receiver factory. He's got long yeah. arms. He's got long legs. Um yeah, he's like everything you want. He's a total package. It's just like watching Marvin, Marvin Harrison catch balls in the end zone in the Rose Bowl reminded me of the touchdown passes Noah Brown caught in Oklahoma that day. Yeah, he's the he's like the, the ball tracking maybe. I don't know. I'm not trying to say that their bodies are the same, but it's just like I had flashbacks to that when I was watching it. And I yeah. thought this guy is every bit as good as one of the most important players on a team a year that they thought they were going to compete for a national championship when he was 18, which means that his potential is far higher than what Noah Brown was. And Noah Brown, I still think, is on the Cowboys earning an NFL paycheck on the active roster. Yeah, I think I'm looking that up now, but I think you're right. Um, 
But the ceiling, the ceiling with Marvin is is infinitely. Yeah, I mean, if you're starting at where the where the other person finished, is what I'm saying. If you type in Noah Brown in the Google, the first question that pops up is: Is Noah Brown still with the Cowboys? Is the answer yes? According to Wikipedia, that answer is yes. I thought I saw that he signed a one-year extension like a few weeks ago. Good for him. Oh, he did. I'm uh, sure two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Dan Hope, I'm sure t- retweeted that. <laughs> There was at one point during the pro day, um, after all the drills were over, all the scouts were gathered together, like comparing all their times and stuff. And I was looking to see if Dan Hope was in there with him, because that seems like something he would get involved in. <laughs> he's a he's a amateur NFL scout. Nothing event, that Dan Hope that happens in the Ohio State sphere gets by Dan Hope of eleven Warriors. No, he's a he's an animal. He doesn't miss anything. There's a there's a like. Uh, a player that played at Ohio State nine years ago signed a practice squad. Dan Hope's tweeting about it. Like I don't, I don't even know how he is able to do that. He's on top of the other sports too. By the way, Ohio State women's hockey won a national title, which is pretty cool, and uh, the women's basketball team's in the Sweet Sixteen, um, which is also pretty cool for them. Nice job for Kevin McGuff. Was it an eye roll? No, 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 no. <laughs> Don't don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. I'm kidding. I'm yeah. kidding. No, that's cool. National titles are national titles, man. I my I'm friend here, my friend here, um, Brits, um, one of Brits' closest friends' husbands, who I've become good friends with since I moved to Texas, played at Valdosta State, and they won a national championship his senior year, and he like has a national championship ring, and like he wore it one day. And, like, somebody saw the national championship ring in public and said, that doesn't count as a national championship. It wasn't at the highest level. And I wanted to slap that person in the face. Yeah. I would have, yeah. I would have punched him. <laughs> yeah. I would have punched him in the face with the ring that has, or the hand that has the ring on, and then tell me if it felt like a real ring or not. Yeah. I don't know. It just, like, anybody who scoffs at a national championship at any level, on any sport, on either sex, is an asshole. Like, because, like, that is the ultimate achievement that somebody can have in their field, at their level. Yeah, and from what I understand about the Ohio State women's hockey team, like I don't, I'm not going to tell you that I followed it, but it seems like that was a rather rapid build from a program that wasn't doing much to a program that is, that is now, at least for this year, the best in the sport. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know much about puck, but I just know I don't it's know cool much to about call it puck. I don't know much about college puck either. Everything I know about hockey, I've learned from Letterkenny. <laughs> I love that show. I was watching a clip of that earlier on YouTube. Shots on bad angles are still shots. That's right. Speaking of other Ohio State teams, should we talk about the basketball team? As yeah, we wrap up yeah. This episode? I, think it's, I think it's important. And this will be the last we talk about it until next March. But yeah, we'll, <laughs> That's we'll, right. That's, that's right. We, we saved it to the end because if you don't want to hear about basketball, then you can exit now. Yeah. We hope you don't because we are judged by how long people stay. But yeah, Just hang out. Just, just, just turn, just, 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 just turn, turn the, the volume, volume down. down. Yeah, <laughs> just turn the volume down. <laughs> uh, Ohio State got bounced in the Landis, second round. I play our podcast on my phone and just let it run, like like out out loud. No, just like oh, nice. Like if I'm in the shower that. or something. Have you left us a five star review? I have. I don't know that I have. I had to balance out all the people who give me terrible reviews. Yeah, most of the, and my my username on Apple is Ari Wasserman eleven, and I wrote that Ari dude's awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, 
Our, our reviews are overwhelmingly positive, which we tremendously appreciate. We do. We do. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Ohio State bounced from in the second round by Villanova, and you and I were talking before the episode. It's like they were a seven seed, they lost to a two seed, and the two seed they lost to was like the best program in college basketball. It's like in a vacuum, that's probably okay. That's probably an okay season. Um, I think what makes it hard is that they were a seven seed playing a really good two seed because of how poorly they played down the stretch when they probably could have been more like a five seed or possibly even a four seed. So like they knocked themselves down a couple seed lines and then made their path to the sweet 16, which they haven't made in since 2013 more difficult. And I think at least for me, I think that's where like the fair criticism starts. It's like advancing the tournament is very difficult. Um, and they played a good Villanova team played well, actually I thought in, in that second game, uh, but it's more about like the totality of the season and what puts you in that position in the first place, I think, is, is where I get hung up a little bit when trying to determine whether or not it was success, a successful season for Ohio State. And then in the grand scheme of it's been forever since you've gotten to the second weekend, it's like, again, like not to be repetitive, it's like Ohio State basketball should probably be a little bit more than it is right now, and it's not. So Yeah, it's just like if know. you lose to a team in the tournament that's just better than you, then like it, that is the most satisfying end to a season. You know, it's the upsets or yeah. the, the gut-wrenching, you know, foul call or whatever, you know, teams lose for every day. Um, but I thought it was interesting that Ohio State, at least in my little slice of gambling Twitter, was the trendy pick of that day for some reason. And I don't to know upset, To upset Villanova? Moneyline was a half-unit play, and, like, I saw a bunch of people taking the points. And then the spread it, fell to four right before tip-off. So, like, to me, I thought that was an indication of just like, oh, maybe Ohio State could win this. And then yeah, they got their butts I, kicked for, what, 30 minutes, and then they came back and made it close. They got within, what, two or four? They got within a bucket with six minutes left. Yeah. Yeah. They were down by as much as 15. Um, did not have a good start to the game. Did not have a good start to the second half. Played really well in the middle of the second half. Like, honestly, probably the best they played all year, arguably on both ends of the floor, like in the, in the middle of the second half against Villanova. But then they couldn't close a game out, which was a little bit of an Achilles heel for them. They they, they did close a few games out during the year, um, but they let too many kind of slip away in the last few minutes um, down the stretch, which is why they were a seven seed. Um, and just like late game execution was not good and like really hasn't been all that good for two years. Um, and it was, it was a little um, – like the comparison, I guess, between like what Villanova was doing at the end of the game and what Ohio State had to do. It's like Villanova in late game moments is giving the ball to Colin Gillespie, who's a really good player, but is also a fifth year point guard who played 15 minutes in a national championship five years ago. Like you don't get more experienced on that stage than Colin Gillespie, in addition to his talent. And then Ohio State is playing through Malachi Branham and EJ Liddell, who are very good players, but it's like Malachi Branham is not a point guard by trade, probably isn't quite ready to handle that load. 
And it's like EJ Liddell is a six foot seven power forward who has to dribble into his own offense because they don't Ohio State doesn't have a guard who can get on the ball. So it was just like Ohio State's lack of a dynamic point guard, which I think has been an issue for most of Chris Holman's tenure here, um, really became kind of glaring in that game when Villanova had exactly the kind of guy you want in that situation to close in a second round tournament game and get to the second weekend. So I want to ask you something that was about the Loyola game. Yep. Have you ever seen a team miss so many easy shots in your entire life? Like, I don't no. know if that was just me, and I didn't want to text you during the game because I know you get bombarded with shit. And, but, like, I was watching this game, and I was like, how many wide-open layups has Loyola missed in that game? Like, I feel like they left 25 points on, on the table just missing shots that were easy looks at the, at the rim. Their best player, Lucas Williamson, I think made two shots and made, like, one free throw. Um, I thought... All weekend, the basketballs were weird. They are I, weird. Were they weird? I, I just thought, thought they were painted differently. Were they actually different? Because it's like everybody. They felt, yeah, they, felt over, they felt overinflated to me. And I thought they were bouncing in ways that a basketball shouldn't bounce. And it's not. Yes, it, was, yes. it was for a lot of teams. But there were. Loyola in particular, there were a lot of layups that I thought Loyola missed where like the ball like hit off the back of the rim and just like shot out of the rim yeah. in a way that a basketball shouldn't do. So it's like, like and I think I tweeted during the game, like if Loyola wanted to sue Wilson, I think they'd have a pretty good case. <laughs> like it did. Well, it I felt like they were that. playing on double rims because the ball was overinflated. Yes. yes. It did look it did look like at times they were playing on double rims. Um and like Ohio State missed missed shots too. Like missed, I feel like it's weird so, that nobody else is talking about this. Because the it's, color of the ball is weird, and I didn't know if it was just a different color, but it's way orangier than it usually is, and it looked rubberier. Like, is it the same ball that they've been using all year? Like, was it a no, leather ball? Is, I don't. I don't believe that anyone had used this particular ball until the tournament. What are they doing? Like, why? It was like Wilson like un, like revealed this new ball for the tournament. Um, it seems like the worst possible time to re- reveal a new ball. I thought it was weird too, and like not everybody like. Uh, Ohio State players were asked about it, and they didn't really say anything about uh, different about it. But like Andre Corbello from Illinois was like, "Yeah, man, this ball's weird. It's bouncing all over the place." Now he plays like a psychopath, so that might have more to do with it than the actual ball. Um, and then also, like, I got to wa- I watched Ohio State Loyola, and then I watched Houston play Chattanooga, and then they beat Chattanooga, and they played. Uh, or I'm sorry, Houston beat UAB, and when Houston beat UAB, they shot the shit out of the ball. So it's like, I do think the ball is weird. But team, there were teams who shot it plenty well with those balls. So um, I, I remember when you and I went to Lifetime Fitness with Doug, and we were playing one on one, and the ball we were using was overinflated, and it was, and I couldn't make anything because of it, and it was really frustrating. And it sounded like an excuse, but if the ball is overinflated, you don't get any give on the rim. You can't make as many shots unless you switch yeah. it. So is is Houston going to beat U of A this weekend? I'm so excited for that game. So Houston's got some dudes, man. Kelvin Sampson's a really good coach. We're going to the Circa Pool on Saturday. I got a cabana, and we paid a lot of money for this cabana because half of my friends that are coming to the bachelor party went to U of A, and everyone's excited to watch Arizona play. And we reserved this cabana for Sweet 16 Saturday from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Vegas time. And I think that we're not going to get to watch any basketball when we're there. Yeah, I don't know what time this game starts. There's only two games each There's day. There's two right? games each day, Saturday and Sunday, and they're both at night, I think. They're both at night. Or they've traditionally right. been at night. I think they're, yeah, so, it's like 7 o'clock and 9 o'clock, yeah. And if they only play at night, what are we watching at the Circus Sportsbook? Like, spring training, replays of spring training No, baseball? but like, are they, is there any sports on Saturday that aren't college basketball? Like, are there women's games? 
uh, the women should be in the Sweet 16. The entire reason we got this is so that we all could gamble like maniacs at the pool. And, like, if we're at the pool, it'll be a great time. But if there's no games on to, to bet on, like, I don't even know what we're doing. Like, I might come home. Like, I'm, like when I found out that, like, we had the pool from 8 to 4, the cabana from 8 to 4, and then I saw the games. That's why I texted you a few days ago. Like, what time are the Elite Eight games? You said look them up in the past years. And, like, last year was a weird year because it was COVID. But, like, the years before, it was, like, 8.15 and 5.15 Eastern. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, or something like that, or nine fifteen Eastern and early evening, early evening, and then like a late game. Yeah, yeah, which means that they might tip off the Arizona game at three p.m. one hour before we have to leave the pool. Like that is the can, worst thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Can you just change your cabana time? Here's the thing: we can, can change the cabana time from four p.m. to eleven p.m., but we also like prepaid for this really nice dinner reservation, so we're kind of stuck. Oh man, where's dinner? It's this place called Delilah in the Wind. It's kind of like uh, Coco. It's like Co- Copa Cabana, but twenty twenty two. It was like really great food, and like there's a performer, and uh, you know, it's kind of got that vibe. I think you can smoke cigarettes in the restaurant. I hope. Nice. nice. <laughs> <laughs> I hope. Fingers crossed. You know, have you ever watched like the movie Casino or like an old time mob movie and just been like, God, I wish I could have gone to Vegas for one night in nineteen seventy seven. People don't even take the cigarette out of their mouth when they put food in it. They just like push it to the side. It's and like everybody's dressed and up in a suit. Every like yeah. you know, shrimp cocktails a dollar forty nine. Are you going to walk in through the kitchen? Going to walk in through the kitchen through the back. <laughs> I work in construction. You know, um, I do have a premise about Vegas, and you've only been there a few times, but I've been there quite a bit. I've been Vegas, there twice for a total of like two days. Once quarters stopped coming out of the machines is when Vegas stopped being Vegas. I get behind that. I think I know what you mean by that. When I was a kid and my parents used to take us to Vegas, uh, we used to collect the little cups that you would scoop your quarters with. That was our big activity when we were children. That sounds pretty fun. Yeah, well, well, you I used I used to go to uh, parties with my parents and hang out by the beer keg and fill people's beers up and they give me a quarter. What'd you do with the quarters? We would have been a great team. <laughs> do you want a circus, circus, uh, a circus, circus quarter bin? Okay, do you have I one? Think, I think we're at the end of our rope here. Uh, do you want to talk for seven more minutes about aliens or are we good? No, I think we're good. Though, uh, just, I guess, like to put a bow on basketball stuff, not that it was a particularly in depth conversation. Um, like, they're very much still looking for that step forward. I think you can only have so much patience with it. And it's not this, like, Chris Holtman's job is not in jeopardy. He'll be back next year. Did you just roll your eyes? No, maybe. No. Uh, is that an eye roll? Payback. Um, Payback. Yeah. That's all. It's, all, it's a fair. Uh, they desperately need to take a step forward and have needed to for a while. And, like, this roster and coaching staff, frankly, is going to go through a pretty radical change, especially if Malachi Branham stays in the NBA draft, which is a real possibility. And, like, if Justice Suing and Seth Towns or one of those guys doesn't come back, like, you're talking about a roster that's going to have, like, nine new people on it next year and, and like, nine new people who are going to have to be, like, the main rotation guys next year. Um, half of them would be true freshmen. And you're also going to have two new assistant coaches on Chris Holman's staff, too. So, like, that's a whole lot of change to endure while also needing to – get over this hump and like get out of the first weekend for the first time and going on a decade now. So um, it's a really, it's, this is, we talked a lot about like this off season was like Ryan day's most important off season. 
Uh, this is definitely Chris Holtman's. This is like the most important offseason the basketball team has had in quite some time. Um, cause they got to get this right. Like they cannot take a step back. They need really need to take a step forward. They cannot take a step back. And I think, and I think avoiding that's going to be difficult with, with the turnover they're they're looking at. So, um, it'll be interesting to monitor. Um, I'll probably write some stuff in the off season about, it. I'll certainly read about Malachi Brown because I think that's an interesting, in, interesting decision. Um, so you can follow along with that on the athletic, the athletic.com slash four six spring football rolls along NFL drafts coming up. Uh, NCAA tournament games back this weekend. Our coverage of the NCAA tournament, in my opinion, is is unrivaled. Even though I'm not doing it anymore, it's still pretty good. So um, you should go read some of that. Again, theathletic.com/slash/four-dash-six. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Ari, enjoy Vegas.